0: Thank you for joining today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast, and thank you for having a desire to be your best at work and helping your organization achieve success. This podcast focuses on tactical actions to improve workplace culture, and these tactics align to our nine principles for organizational excellence. So how do we create a trusting workplace? Trust starts with executive leaders modeling expected behaviors and actions To gain people's trust. Trust is earned. As leaders we build trust by making ourselves available, asking questions, probing for understanding, listening intently, and acting on what we hear. When leaders model the expected behaviors to build trust, we can expect our employees to follow suit. As I've worked with organizations over the years, many have focused on making transformational changes to adapt to changing times in a changing world. Every organization continues to face constant changes in our world. You know, our, our goal is to grow. However, to do so, organizations must achieve bottom-line results, and to do so in changing times. Here are bottom-line results for various organizations. For companies, it's staying in business, taking in more money than you expense, and keeping good cash flow. For higher education institutions, it's gaining student enrollment and retaining students by offering them a great educational experience. For school systems, it's achieving K-12 school system ratings that are transparent to the local and state communities so that parents choose to send their children to a certain school for an education. For cities and counties, it's demonstrating ethical and financially responsible decisions about using taxpayer dollars. And for nonprofits, it's reinvesting dollars back into a cause that people believe in and then financially support. It's difficult to transform current practices without a trusting workplace. By understanding the behaviors that underlie trust, Leaders are better able to elevate the level of trust that others feel toward them. Last year, I was asked to serve on a panel. The focus of the session was on transforming organizations through innovation. One of the audience participants asked what organizations needed to have in place to transform. The question was, what advice would you give to leaders? Several of the panel presenters spoke brilliantly about neat and fun approaches to ideate and innovate. Many cool ideas were discussed and presented. I was the last person on the panel to answer the question. I applauded the panel's responses and ideas. I continue to answer the question by responding with these words. In today's world, we have to constantly transform our practices because of new technologies and access to information. Sometimes transformation is putting a neat idea in place. Sometimes transformation is changing a new technology system. It's only possible to transform when leaders have led in ways that have established trusting workplaces. Now, I was expecting a loud round of applause. Instead, the audience participants quickly moved to the other panelists wanting to know more about neat stuff. And oh, how I wanted to stand up and shout it from the mountaintop. Listen to me. I know what I'm talking about. So please don't turn me away or punch the off button. Because trust is everything to an organization. Let's talk more about that. Jack Zinger and Joseph Folkman studied 87,000 leaders and found that there were three elements of trust. Positive relationships good judgment, and consistency. Today, I'm going to focus on how we build trust by establishing positive relationships. So what do we mean by positive relationships? Positive relationships depend on understanding and knowing people on our teams. We learn about them, what they care about, and what makes work meaningful to them. To build positive relationships with people, we have to talk with them. Therefore, leaders who stay in their offices without engaging with people have a really difficult time establishing trust with others. Hmm. Okay, so let's say that leaders are convinced that they need to connect with people. Here's the next thing that's important. We have to be fully present, attentive to them. I was listening to someone last week in the car on my way to a client and heard this person say, you have to pay ridiculous attention to people. I mean real attention. The person continued explaining that paying real attention means more than asking people what they did last night or what sport they like. It's learning about someone's background, their passions, and future goals and aspirations. This means learning about what really matters to people. On our team, we have a lunch and learn experience every month. This past week, the planning team asked three of our team members to tell their personal and professional stories as the topic of our lunch and learn. Before the presentations and while we were eating lunch, we drew a saying from a jar and had to guess who the fun fact was about. The three team members used these prompts to tell their stories in seven to ten minutes as we were eating lunch and as we followed the fun game. They were asked, tell us about your journey to date. What's been the most important lesson you've learned throughout your career? How have you decided which career path to take? If you could give advice to yourself 20 years ago regarding your career and life path, what would you tell yourself? And how fun, we laughed when one of our team members answered the question, she was seven years old 20 years ago. What was the most surprising part of your life journey, and what makes you happiest about your current role? I really loved this day and this lunch. I've known two of the panelists from our team, KK and Melissa, for many years and knew some things and learned others. I've not known Tara as well. She is a student advisor for our Teacher Ready program and a newer member of our team. Here's what I thought about when Tara provided her experiences in school, work, and as a captain in the military. Her story made me remember when I was 27 was right in the middle of my doctoral program at Florida State University. She talked about the various decisions she has made with changing directions, and she had a picture for us to see of her beautiful young daughter, who she often talks about. Here's what really went through my mind. I had empathy for her being 27, knowing I didn't want to live through my late 20s again. At 27, I'd worked two years in business and industry, three years as a high school math teacher, and was working as a graduate student getting my doctoral degree. And I had no idea where I would land. Listening to Tara, I felt proud that she is on our team. When I'm in the office, I sit across the room from her. I get to see her warm smile. After the session, I realized I learned more about her and really enjoyed the time learning about the rest of our team at the Lunch and Learn. I want to do more of things like this. The lunch that day reinforced something for me. It's critical to connect with people to learn more about them. These prompts were great to help us learn more about their personal and professional lives. And it helped me gain insight on what is important. It also reminded me that it's not difficult to be ridiculously attentive when learning about people's stories, their lessons learned, and their passions. In fact, it's quite enjoyable and rewarding. In the late 90s, I had completed my doctoral degree and was working at the University of West Florida. I accepted a faculty position in the university in the town where I grew up to help the university develop and offer its first doctoral program. After several years in graduate school and not excited about apartment life I built a house on my grandfather's farm. Thanks to the open invitation from my grandfather and with my parents help of deeding me one of the 15 acres I built a small brick home that became a paradise of sorts over time. My grandfather lived on the farm and during my 15 years with him, we had cows and goats and chickens. We planted watermelons, vegetables, and one year a field of sunflowers. In my early years as a faculty member, we didn't have the opportunity to really work full time. It was a nine month position. I mentioned to my grandfather that I might be getting a job doing yard work for the summer, like I used to do in the neighborhood as an adolescent. He said he had a better idea. We would plant watermelons and sell them on the side of the road in Beulah, where we lived. And at the time, I thought, that's a great idea. Has anyone ever harvested watermelons? They're heavy, and they grow in a vine on the ground. <laughs> at the crack of dawn and at sundown, because it was hot, we picked up, wa- picked the watermelons for the day, loaded them on the trailer, ready for the next day's sell. The next day, we drove to the place on the side of a busier road, put up our umbrella and lawn chairs and posted our sign, Watermelons for Sale. what a hoot we were. And here's the best part of that story and so many others. My grandfather was someone who enjoyed talking with me. He listened intently, was delighted with my accomplishments, and promoted me to always make sure I stood my ground as a woman. Over the years, we enjoyed breakfast and lunches together at the kitchen table, What I remember most are the rich and fun conversations we had. We sometimes had those solving the world problems conversations, and sometimes we planned what we needed for the farm. He was always interested in my work and job, so we talked about that. He wanted to make sure that I was getting what was rightfully mine. He had a large laugh and was a compelling storyteller. When I was young and a child, and spent the night with my grandmother and grandfather, he would cap the night with bloody bones. I would say, please tell me about bloody bones, and he would say, bloody bones to the first step, bloody bones to the second step, bloody bones to the third step, bloody bones, gotcha! We laughed and together and then off to sleep we went for the night. He taught me a great deal all of those years on the farm. Why? Because he was highly interested in my well-being and listened intently at the kitchen table or the car rides to the grocery store. The car ride was more difficult because we always had the windows down in the truck and he whistled and sang rather than turning on the radio. What's my point? What I remember most about my grandfather is the connection we made through all of our conversations in life. As leaders, it's difficult to make connections when we don't get out of our offices to talk with people. To gain a trusting workplace, this is a must do. And here's what's really important. We must be truly interested in learning more about our team members, who they are, what they care about, what they hold dear to them, and what their aspirations are in life. As an executive leader, I get busy with many, many things. Sometimes I get disconnected from the people. The Lunch and Learn helped me rediscover what's most important in our workplace. I'm appreciative to my team for giving me this important nudge. This week, reflect on these questions. As a leader, how well do you connect with your team members? How how well do you know them, show them that you care about them, and understand what's important to them at work and in life? What's one thing you could do every week to do a better job with connecting with your team members? Then start doing it. And as team members, how well do you connect with your colleagues? How well do you know them, show you care about them, and understand what's important to them at work and life? And then what's one thing you could do as a team member every week to do a better job with connecting? Then start doing that. And to anyone, how well do you connect with your leaders? How well do you know them, show you care about them, and understand what's important to them at work and in life? And then what's one thing you can do every week to do a better job with connecting with your leaders, then start doing that. As the executive leader, I've made some tough decisions this quarter. Several members on our team reached out to me with kind and supporting words. And it wasn't just from those who work closely with me. I'm deeply appreciative and they too inspired me to learn more about them and others on our team. Taking a small amount of time out of our busy schedules to connect with people builds trust. It's a ripple in the pond. Your action makes the first ripple. Others will follow, and one ripple turns into many ripples in the pond. This week, be the one that puts the first ripple in the pond. Thank you for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. I look forward to connecting with you on our next podcast episode, where we will continue to learn about how to build trusting workplaces. Have a great week.